I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World. I'm your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to the first edition of Gods Among Us, as we celebrate the lives of creatives who we barely knew. And today, we're going to be celebrating the one, the only, Denny O'Neill. And I have brought another Denny to speak about him. Another Dennis. Um, you probably, I mean, he never really leaves the airwaves here. He's, he's a, he's, he just keeps, he won't stop pestering me to be on the show. I just I have to say yes. Just I like have to. <laughs> can't get rid of it. Just can't get rid of it. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's just, you know, no antibiotics or treatments. Nothing. Caniston duo. Um, no, you know, all, <laughs> it's all still here. <laughs> never goes away. Always there. Always, Always there. there. Only kidding. Only kidding, Dennis. So Dennis Whittle is back again. Um, and he is, as always, charming and opinionated and full of, full of great information, as per usual. That's basically it. Someone, someone made a joke once and they were like, what happens when you get, what do you get when you have three white guys with opinions? <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> Which is accurate. The first podcast I did had three of us, so that, that made a lot of sense. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on, <laughs> moving on. So we're going to talk about Denny O'Neill. So he was one of the guiding lights, guiding forces behind DC Comics and Marvel Comics for a, for a small amount of time as well. Writer, um, you know, just is a great, fantastic writer, great writer, and just as good an editor uh, in in comic books. The guiding, the guiding force between a lot of great Batman writers. He was the Batman editor for, I think. 15 years, uh, roughly. 15 years, yeah. yeah, 15 years of, of Batman. I think it culminated with the No Man's Land storyline. I think that yes. was his, yeah. his big uh, swan song. Um, every major storyline in that era. Yeah. They either wrote it, edited mm. it, or influenced it. So I th- I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, right, it was kind of the end of the 90s, roughly, I guess, when he, when he ended. Was No Man's Man Land like 2000, 2000? Yeah, yeah, I think Ish, so. just, just, yeah. yeah. I think it ran into two thousand, didn't it? Yeah, like ninety nine, ninety eight, two thousand. I think that around that era. Um, but let's let's just start off with with your feelings about about the man Dennis and and what he's meant to you and and you know you're obviously a massive Batman fan, so he's he must have had quite an influence. Yeah, I, I would. I'm generally gutted. <laughs> yeah, perfectly honest. I'm generally kind of. I would say I'm more gutted than this than when Stanley died. I, I am I am a DC fanboy. You know I do mm. do like my DC, and um, I read um, Batman um, when he when he when kind of he write he was writing it. Um, obviously there there were I back issues that I bought, but he he was just a, a phenomenal guy. And he, he not just not just in comic books, but everything you read about him, everything you can know about him, interviews you watch about him. You know, he, he always fought for the, for the little man, very much on the creator-owned stuff. He wanted he wanted creators to be finally 
superstars, uh, people for hire. You know, you work tirelessly trying to get social justice and social rights for people. So, you know, and, and it came across very much in his comics. He redefined Batman for, for me. I, I See, I, I hate 1960s Batman. And it's mainly because of, of, of him and, and, and Neil Adams, mainly, because they, they yeah. brought neo-detective, dark, gritty Batman. Mm. Um, back to his roots. He, they, mm. he, they were the ones um, with the artwork, but mainly the writing that kind of brought Batman to be a detective again, not just pals that as a comedy character. He brought mm. back the enemies to be actual kind of enemies, you know, Two-Face, Joker. Mm. You know, he was the guy who brought Joker back as being a homicidal maniac. Mm. He brought Two-Face back as being properly screwed and also created brand new characters. But he, he, he's the reason why I, I hate 1960s Batman. And for good reason. He yeah. Defined the entire generation. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, he did. He did guide Frank Miller and had a, a massive, uh, massive uh, influence on on Frank Miller. Um, famously, he he hired him to do his first uh, first work on Batman, which was uh, it's 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 a great title for a story. It's called. Uh, uh, Santa wanted dead or alive. <laughs> that is that is Frank Miller's first official work on Batman. But more importantly, like I'm I'm a big obviously I'm a big Marvel fan, but I, you know I love Batman as it is. Like he was the editor on Daredevil, Frank Miller's Daredevil. So without he he fired the previous writer and said, you know what, Frank, you write it. You're already doing the art. You write this. And he, you know, I I genuinely think. Denny O'Neill, you know, we all like our urban, street-level, gritty superheroes. Like, Denny O'Neill pretty much invented it. Like, that's that's it. The stuff where it's like drug dealers and, you know, pimps and, you know, uh, poverty and all these kind of issues that were never really addressed in comics before, never talked about, never, never brought to light. It was always like, okay, there's a bank robbery and the Joker's at it again. Oh, and what's zany scheme he has this week? It's, it, he defined that. So Daredevil, Moon Knight, he was the editor on Moon Knight as well, Doug Monk's Moon Knight. Uh, Doug Monk was a big Batman writer as well. So, um, so it was kind of, it kind of perfectly fit his kind of feelings. Um, but yeah, he, he told Frank Miller to give Daredevil like a more realistic fighting style. So he was like, right, let's make him a ninja. Why not? Let's do it. And he did that. He used to ground them on. He depowered, you know. And I think I think what kind of helped with this kind of generation, what came through, and, and then he was, was one of those premium writers, but he was a fan. He was the, one of the first generations of actually reading and enjoying comics to kind of break into writing comics. Um and he also run the crest where there's a kind of hippie revolution and that kind of stuff. So mm, yeah, he was he very much. He very much wanted comics to kind of show real life, real world. Um, and again, it comes very much in his writing. And you know, I don't, I, I don't really know much of his of his um, Marvel stuff. God, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I only read his kind of Green Lantern run mm. about ten years ago. Mm. Um, I knew, I knew stories. I'd read stories, but I read the whole run. Yeah, um, only about ten years ago, and there's other little things that kind of popped out. Where I was unaware that he had kind of influenced and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was. Um, he kind of brought with him his grit and his kind of personality into mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, and he, you know, not everything he did was a home run, but you know. No, nah, sure. Yeah, like you know, he's he's got the you know the odd. Everyone's got their odd you know stumble here and there, but like talking about kind of you know his personal life like he was like a neil adams recently in a tweet uh he said this he said uh many com about about denny passing away he said this uh many comic book writers 
come from being comic book fans, not Denny. Denny was a news writer, often on the night beat. His eyes saw reality and he wrote that into his work. And I, I, think, I think there is, I think there is, I agree, there is some fandom there. But I think he, his approach to comic book writing does come from uh, a level of reality and, and respect for yeah, the real world. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree. And, like, and he's talked about writing about suicides and deaths. And he sees poverty and he sees drugs and he sees the government, he sees corruption, sees racism. And he puts that into his work. He's, you know, he's, he was a social activist. He made Green Arrow before it was like, he created woke comics. Like he created woke comics to use the, the more modern term for it. That's basically what it was. It was a form of social activism. It was a, it's a way of him, you know, putting on putting on the page things that concerned him like he would go and help out like neil adams would at his local you know the drug rehabilitation center or homeless you know food drive that sort of thing you know food banks and that sort he, he of thing yeah and you know he that's why he, he he knows the street and i think that's his that was always his preference as well like these these level these kind of street level heroes like power man and iron fist he wrote a few issues of that as well um yeah luke cage has got steel skin and martial and you know iron fist can make his hand glow but it's they were still very street level heroes um at the time and still are you know and that's that's just the way kind of luke cage has always been written but I also like the way that he didn't give a shit about pissing people off either he, no, he very much against establishment within comics. As yeah, well. yeah, because because the um, yeah the comic books code, um, the uh, the Green Arrow Green Lantern series that was that was really challenging and pushing, depending on you know if they, some some stupid stuff they would edit as well. Like you can't mention werewolves and things like that. Like Mar- they but they pulled up once because they mentioned uh, Marv Wolfman. And he's, his name is actually Wolfman. It's not an He's not a wolfman. <laughs> he's a wolfman, not a wolfman. You know, and they were like, they were like, oh, you can't put that word in there. You can't put Wolfman in the comic. It's like, that's his name. Chill out. You know, and there's things, stupid things like a puff of smoke coming out of a gun would be too, too big. You'd have to make it smaller. You know, it's just silly things like that. And, and, it, and that came out of basically Frederick Wortham and Seduction of the Innocent um, and, and all the lies he told. And they were lies. There was no research done. There was nothing. It's all utter bullshit he came up with. He came from, uh, I think it's Jackson, Missouri that Denny came from. And they had, they had book burnings, comic book yeah, yeah, burnings. Yeah. And he was there. Um, and he, he, t- he tells a story about Roy Thomas, who's from the same area. Again, another massive talent, um, especially over in Marvel as well. Roy Thomas loves his Golden Age stuff and huge run on the Avengers. Uh, he Apparently, as a kid, he, Roy Thomas went to these book burnings with his mom, who took him. And what he would do is he would chuck in the comics he didn't like and save the ones he did. <laughs> so he pulled them out of the fire, <laughs> literally. So, yeah, that was... Can I give um, Denny's kind of first writing role? That's correct. Yeah. So, so Mar- Marvel were looking for assistance. Roy had, um, I think he'd become an assistant and he, and it slowly but surely was helping Stanley. He would uh, script some issues, 
Um, and then uh, Denny started writing uh, tales, so tales of a suspense. I think it's tales of suspense with uh, with Doctor Strange. So he wrote a few stories of Doctor Strange, introduced a, a character that would become quite uh, one of the villains that would become quite um, prevalent, I believe, because Yandroth, who's the reason that the Defenders always get together, because he he cursed the Hulk and Submariner and Doctor Strange to always you know team up, even though they hate each other. Um, so, so it's like some some cool stuff. He helped, helped co-create The Gladiator for Daredevil. Um, Stanley partially scripted it, and then he kind of finished it off. So, so that kind of counts. You can kind of say he created that. Um, he also, you know, he did, he did these big superhero stories, but then quite happy to go back and do a Western comic. Yeah. Go back and do kind of a little independent something or other, a little something he's interested in, but mm. then come back to it. You know, but he, he wanted to be like like a lot of them. The, a lot of the kind of comic book creators, they wanted to be novelists, like the next great American novelist. Like Stan Lee said, he wanted to be that, and and Denny O'Neill. But and you know, obviously these stories, he, he describes them as like shit lit comics, like shit lit, and uh, you know, just looked down upon. You know, just throw away trash, garbage, and the people that were working on them were kind of ashamed to be still working on them. these these old guys like, you know, Jack Kirby and, well, not Jack Kirby, but, you know, there's a few other people. Like Gil Kane was famously, like, yeah, very, yeah. He, he would never call himself a comic book artist, um, but he would be, like, a, a graphic illustrator or something like that. But he was always ashamed. And people look like Frank, I think Frank Miller went up to him and went, why? You're amazing. This is great stuff. And they're like, no, it's not really, you know, it's not what I wanted to be doing. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, well, okay. Um, but, yeah, it's just... It's just fantastic stuff. But yeah, he he did start out at Marvel, uh, then went shortly went over to kind of DC try and and you know, the 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 history tells it from there, like seventies with Neil Adams and him. Um it, but yeah, his his work in Marvel was he did come he did leave again DC to work at Marvel for a, a lengthy amount of time, but left because of our old friend Jim Shooter. <laughs> really? Yeah, apparently. He's the most inoffensive person going. Right? I know. Why? Why? Why do we hate? I mean, well, I mean, we talked about we talked a bit about Denny and Jim in the in the controversial top five controversial comic book moments. So, um, if you want to hear more about Jim Shooter, <laughs> go go there. That's that's your that's that's where you need to go. But that that just proves you know he's the sort of person who's fighting against the establishment. Mm. You know, Shooter's yeah. telling him, "No, I want it done this way." He's going, "No." Mm-hmm. No, I'm doing it this way. No, no. You, well, as that, 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 I'm, I'm going. Yeah, well, exactly. Oh, well, you do it up to you later. Then I'm gone. Yeah. Um, but he was always like, even like I, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I understand that his last, his last story is going to be in the Green Lantern anniversary. Um, really? It's the the Dove Corps, which is a bunch of um, kind of like military people that only use um, non-lethal weapons to calm areas and stuff. Okay. Even even his last his last written stuff is still trying to change the world. Still trying to yeah. show that things can be done in a certain way, mm. um, which kind of speaks volumes of him. Yeah. Um, like I've, I've, I'm lucky enough to have I've had a couple of email exchanges with him. Very brief, very short. Yeah, yeah. Always came across very pleasant. Always came across, you know, when he said, when he, when he said no, it wasn't just a no. It was an explanation. No. Why yeah, of course, yeah. Stuff, so, um, but no, it's for me. It's 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 Batman. Um, 15 years on Batman, so you can't you can't touch Batman without touching Denny. You just can't. No, there's no way. There's... There wouldn't be Tim Burton's Batman. There wouldn't no. be the Dark Knight trilogy. There wouldn't be the animated series. I mean, do... any of them. 
Bat- Batman Begins, like just just for example, take Batman Begins. Okay, so Batman Begins. Um, why do we fall, Bruce? That whole sequence, him falling into the Batcave, that's from a Denny O'Neill story. Crime Alley and Park Row. The alley that Batman's parents were killed in never had a location, never had a name. It was a nondescript alley. It could have been anywhere in Gotham. But he created the idea of Crime Alley and Park Row used to be a really upmarket place. Um, but the second the Waynes died, it went to shit because it just became like, you know, all these, all these old people are staying. Leslie Tompkins... Um, I think it's I think it's Batman. I read it today. I bought it today and read it today. Batman four five seven. There's no hope in Crime Alley, yeah, which was with the head with the um, scene. It's that's a, right. Yeah, Batman's head with yeah with the line with line in there. That's right. So they're dead um, with the yeah the silhouette of of his yeah. parents in there. Um, that was again adapted into Batman the animated series as well. I'm not sure if it was adapted by him himself, but I think it was. It was he did the Razor Girl three? Yes, he wrote that, didn't he? Yeah, he he kind of rewrote that and kind of modernized it a little bit. But it's yeah. basically the same story, and it's still yeah. amazing. Um, but yeah, so a lot of those stories. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so so the idea because they say in the film like when your parents died, you know, all hope in Gotham went. Um, Razor Girl is the villain. League of Assassins. They're, they're the whole League of Shadows, Society of Shadows, whatever you want to call them. They're the villains in the whole film. Arkham Asylum, Denny created Arkham Asylum. Can you imagine Gotham and Batman without Arkham Asylum? Can you, you, yeah. There'd be no Arkham games. There'd be no Grant Morrison Arkham Asylum. There'd be, there'd be nothing. It's just, you can't... No Harley Quinn. No Harley Quinn, yeah. No, no psychologist. You know, there's so many of these elements. Um, he created Bane. Yeah. So, so the other villain in the final film, who's working for Ra's al Ghul, you know, uh, uh, Talia al Ghul, both of those, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy. And he even brought the Joker back to his homicidal ways. Mm-hmm. Like before that, he was just a joke and he was, he was a, a prankster, a jester. But like, I think it's called, um, I can't remember the issue number, but it's Five Way Revenge, Joker's Five Way Revenge, I think it's called. Um, yeah, I do know. Oh, you know it, don't you? You know the number. I will do. I'll, I'll come to me. I'll come to you, me. You're a proper sado like me. You're it, a proper sado. It's, it's Joe holding the card with Batman on the uh, card. Yeah, he's nailed, He's kind of nailed got, to it. I've got three copies of it. Um, <laughs> it's and and that and that's you know Tim Burton actually says that's what influenced the the 1989 Batman movie. Yeah. Um, and the you know Jack Nicholson read that. Mm. So that was that was his. <laughs> that's how he became the Joker. Really. No, another another thing. Uh, Two Face hadn't been used in like 30 years. Yeah, 1954, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. I mean, apart from the world's finest where Batman dressed up as him. Yeah. But then Denny brought him back. And then from then on, he became one of the top tier villains mm-hmm. for Batman. Forget Penguin, Catwoman, you know, Riddler. Like, the Two-Face went to, you know, he's, he's at least in the top three Batman villains, top four, you know, easily in the top four kind of Batman villains. Um, Venom, yeah. So, so if you want, if you guys want to go back and listen to my um, puny pod I did on Batman Venom, that's where Batman gets hooked on the the stereo steroid. Fantastic book, loved it so much. So I did a whole podcast just about that one book by Denny. Such a good book, though. Four issues, Legends of that Night. I think exactly was- right, exactly yeah. right. And and it's that introduces that introduces uh, Santa Prisca, Venom, and then he would go on to create co-create Bane. These are all co-creations, by the way. I don't want to, you know, take away from the artists or anything. Um, but we're talking about Den- we're talking about Denny. Yeah, the stuff was um, with Neil Adams. A lot of stuff would be, they collaborated really well, and they did lots of stuff together. You know, Green Lantern, Green Arrow series, and 
But I think, Huge. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I read a little thing about um, about that. Then he's saying like it was really good working with Neil. Yeah, we had some battles. We had some yeah. <laughs> they always get on. See that? <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, they always get they on. They both they wanted the same thing, they, and they, they were from the same sort of kind of ilk. What they hmm. wanted to do and stuff, but yeah, you can, and you know, it goes on further. Look at Arrow. There'd be hmm. no Arrow series, League of Assassins. You know, Arrow, a, yeah, all the, the Arrow yeah, all that. Would not exist without him. Well, yeah, exactly. And and again, like we were saying, I think we were saying earlier that. Green Arrow before had an Arrow cave. He had an Arrow mobile. He had a teenage sidekick who dressed in red. You know, he was, for all intents and purposes, a rip-off character. And, you know, created in the golden age. You know, fair enough, I get it. Like, you know, credit to the... to the. I can't remember, think of the writer-creators now, but credit to them, they made a character. It worked, it was fairly successful. Fair play. But, yeah, it was kind of pulling on the cape, so to speak, of Batman. But then, when you know, when when uh, Neil and uh, and Denny got hold of of, I think he started writing Green Arrow in Justice League and said, "Go shake some stuff up." So they they made him lose all his money. So he he can't have these high tech gadgets anymore. He can't have a high tech. You know, he doesn't have any money. He's he's not this billionaire. He's, they're trying to differentiate him as much from Batman as possible. And they made him like a social crusader, a social justice warrior, all the way back when we didn't even know that phrase or use that phrase or or shamed that phrase, you know. And don't don't you think, you know, I flicked through through issues um, this week of that, and it resonates so much now, today, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Today, people in power not giving Mm. a crap about the little man, and you know, Green Lantern, all these powers and all all this kind of Mm. all this stuff that he's doing, and then you. You've got the who's fighting for the little man, mm. and just some of the dialogue. I know people around on Facebook a lot. You know the conversation. Mm. Yeah, I, I post I posted it. So it was, um, yeah, famously yeah. for for those who don't know, there's a, a very famous panel. Do you want to describe it, Dennis? No, you go. You you posted it, man. You, put, you, you sure? Post okay. Yeah, yeah. So so um so. The, Basically, the hard-traveling heroes, Green Arrow, Green Lantern series, um, features Hal Jordan as a kind of conservative, a kind of Republican type. And, and then Green Arrow is very much the liberal kind of, you know, Democrat sort of type. And, and they're discussing the kind of, the, the, the amount of power that Green Lantern has, the imagination, things he could do, things he could accomplish. Green Arrow is going, right, well, you've not, you've been off, off flying around, you've been protecting your sector, but right here at home, we've got some really hard hitting issues, some real problems. And this kind of old, kind of disheveled, kind of black man comes up to him and goes, you know, I see you help the blue skins, the purple skins, the orange skins, but what have you ever done for the black skins? And ashamedly, like Green Arrow, Hal Jordan, just you can't even you can't even look at him and just says, "I, I can't." Yeah, just just so it so ashamed and so upset that all the things he could have been doing and the way he could have been helping his own world, his own planet, his own city. Um, but he's been, you know, he's he's got bosses above him from another planet guardians of the universe and then after that that's the first issue and after that they decide they take a they take a guardian who's weirdly up for this this journey just like yeah let's find america come on i mean it's not like a project millions of planets in this universe but yeah just go find america um it's it's appa aliapsa i think one of the first few guardians that that actually name themselves give themselves like a personality. Uh, I think he did go mad years later and started like killing people. 
don't we all don't we all that's that's what happens when you see all the troubles throughout america just you just go yeah, you, you go mental you're like this is too much let's kill everyone <laughs> <laughs> um it's just he just couldn't he just couldn't hack it his big blue brain couldn't hack it um and yeah so and they they travel the world and and like denny has has a kind of habit of depowering characters like you were saying like he um depowered superman he got rid of the the kryptonite i think it's kryptonite nevermore i think is the story um but that was that was to in a way that was to because he was like it's too invincible he's too powerful so he got rid of kryptonite and they were like oh now he's now he's going to be too powerful but no it was it was a subtle way of him depowering superman to a level where it was believable that he could have other injuries that he could have you know different weaknesses and things like that his his, his suit would rip and things like that yeah exactly so he looked disheveled I remember watching um, um, an interview with him. He was saying about Superman. He goes, "Yeah, he literally blew out a star." <laughs> <laughs> he went, "Done." He goes, what, you, "What were you supposed to do with him?" So, yeah, like, <laughs> how do I how do I create peril for this character? What I like about the green the, the green arrow, green lantern kind of stuff is it bounces between them. So you start hmm. off with like green lantern going, "You know what." I do need to look at all this, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. A little bit, and then it turns around to the fact that, you know, Green Arrow, you, you're far too self-involved with this stuff. Look what's happened to you, Ward. Yeah. You know, and he's like, crap, I've been so involved in all this. I've forgotten the people closest. Yeah. So, yeah. Like a, a big story arc as well. Mm. Like, I think he says, he says something like, you know, you seem to have the answers to everything, Green Arrow. What about this? What are you, what's your answer for this? And it's kind of like, ooh, there you My go. Ward is a junkie. Yeah. I think it does have uncover, isn't it? Oh, um, Batman two five one, Joker cover, purple. Yes, yeah. I think that's I think that's right, as far as I know. You probably you know better than me. You know better than me. I don't I I just I I can't remember my wife's birthday or my daughter's age, but I can remember Batman two five one. So Well, you know, you know, the, when these when these creators die, you know, like I know obviously I've got relatives that have passed away and things like that and, and I'm you know, I'm equally gutted when, when family members die, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> not you, Dennis. No, couldn't, couldn't give a shit. Uh, but like, <laughs> like I. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I think, I think I do feel like, I, like Stanley. I was, I was genuinely gutted for like a, a good, good week. I was still, and I, I feel, I feel kind of the same way, or a similar kind of reverence for for all that he did. I, I, I yeah, this, this, this one. I don't know whether it's just because of. The shit year everyone's having and stuff, but it was like, oh, really? Yeah. What, one, it's one of the good ones, and we throw away, we throw around the word legend a lot these days in, in comics, movies, or whatever. Mm. But he was, he changed yeah. so much. He, he created so many characters. He, he created lore. He created so much stuff. Mm. He's a lot, and there's not many left. I was thinking, you, you got probably Stranko, um, Adams. Thomas. Yeah. There's not, yeah. There's not many left. Really. Not, not, not any of the kind of originators, no, I'd say, no, no, from the kind of, defining era. era. Yeah. And all this kind of the, the, the kind of liberal um, ideas of how things should be written and, and, and change, you know, strangle mm. with the, the, the um, age, um, shield stuff, you know, mm. the Linux Fury thing. So, and you just think, that, that I, just, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be reading comics like I do. It wasn't for. for but then I know I said a broad set, but it's true because I read, I read Marvel for a bit, but it was it was Batman that got me collecting comics. Yeah, I mean for me for me I'm a I'm a kind of a '90s kid, so so one of the first books I went to, or, or a lot a lot of the books like I went to, Denny was involved in. Um, for example, controversially, D- Death Death in the Family. Um, 
the he came up with the idea that they would the fans would vote whether Robin lived or died, and then they decided to kill him. Uh, it's a very small margin, but it still it still happened. Um, yeah, kill, yeah. Killing killing joke. He was he yeah, was he edited that didn't he? Yeah, he edited that. Uh, so Alan Moore's killing joke. You he decided to make it a high like a high uh, value graphic novel because he was because of the subject matter and some of the things that are in that book he didn't want that for children to to be you know sold to children directly so he made it a higher higher price point so that it may put people off buying it only the embossed letters exactly yeah so only only the fans the adult fans yeah. that had that kind of money to spend on a comic that you were used to in, in comics and stuff absolutely uh, and nightfall as well nightfall yeah, especially yeah. for me he wrote the novel didn't he novelized it yeah i I've, i didn't hear that i didn't read the novel but i tell you what i did i had i had a the bbc audio drama which is by Dirk Maggs, um, you know, very famous. He did a Spider-Man one and some Superman ones yeah. as well. Um, but that's that's the peak for me. That's the pinnacle. It's, it's fantastic. Um, if you've got if you've got three what five hours of your life, um, <laughs> go and go and listen to that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I've got it on CD. I've got that one and um, Doomsday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Um, on like um, on on disc, and um, I did Nightfall and the Quest in there as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, all of it, and uh, and he wrote some of the stories. So, because I mean, he was still an editor, but every so often he'd he'd pull out a story. Like, um, I think he did the storyline where where Alfred and Bruce go off on their own adventure during Nightfall. I think it's called Quarry. Yeah, yeah or something. Yeah, during the search. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'd I'd like to talk about his his work on Iron Man as well. Um, very very briefly. Because I don't know much about it. You don't know Iron Man. I am Iron Man. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm, like I said, I'm not a massive Marvel. No, nah, that's like fine. That's fine. I like, I like bits. Yeah, um, let's go. That's let's, why you're here. This is why I, 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 you're, I'm the other side. For that. Yeah. I'm the <laughs> other side. Or anything. You're just here to talk nah. about Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, fuck. You invited me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the, I'm the scarred version of our two-faced coin. You're the other side of that coin. <laughs> Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Time in the morning it is. So, so his his run on Iron Man. So it's kind of mid mid to kind of late eighties. Um, there was it, they were coming off the kind of David Michelini Bob Layton run, which was very famous for um, introduce a lot of characters and elements, uh, the alco- alcoholism especially. Um, so what kind of got resolved pretty quickly. Um, basically, there's a storyline, and his armor's malfunctioning. I think it's called Power of the Iron Man or Demon in a Bottle. The storyline, whichever one, whichever title you want to take, and and all the way through, his armor's malfunctioning. He's like something's happening. The villains, but it turns out a villain has been malfunctioning, make, making it malfunction. Um, he goes through all these tests, and he tries not use the armor. He gets trained by Captain America on how to fight uh, because who knows better in the Marvel universe. And at, at the end, he realizes. And all the way through this, he's casually, casually drinking, quite casually, all day, every day. People are making comments on his behavior. His butler leaves him um, because he's being rude and dismissive and you know, behaves in a disgusting manner. And right at the end of the book, um, he realizes that the problems with his armor could have been just been as easily caused by his alcoholism. And then he goes into rehab. His girlfriend, Bethany Cabe, helps him kind of recover. And that's kind of it. 
that's kind of it. And eventually, and he gets casually mentioned throughout, like, oh, I best be careful because I don't want to go back on the drink or, you know, he'll look at the bottle and things like that. But it was never really properly addressed during the rest of that run. So Denny himself suffered from, from alcoholism and, and he used that as a kind of touchstone um, to write the character. He felt that that was too, resolved too quickly and too easily. Um, so he made Tony Stark going on, on a, like a massive bender. He created Obadiah Stane, who's the big villain in uh, the big villain in the main Iron Man movie, the first Iron Man movie. And he basically destroys, he's a rival business, rival company. He destroys his business, tears it down. He basically becomes Iron Man's Lex Luthor, effectively. Uh, and this is a quite a long run he had. So I think it's from like 160 to 208 of Iron Man. Um, so it's a big, big, big long run. Um, and there's a great kind of famous cover where it's like Iron Man's in a blizzard. Uh, Tony Stark's in a blizzard and there's a big wall and it says, uh, tonight Tony Stark will either be sober or he will be dead. Uh, and it's a really good story. And there's a great one where Tony's down, down and out in a, in a kind of a abandoned kind of flop house or, you know, one of these kind of places. He's just like, a proper like drunk den sort of thing and captain america comes in and he has to there's a fire and he has to save him and he's like you know my dad was an alcoholic and and it was horrible and i don't want it i don't want this to happen to you tony i think you need to you can only be helped when you're ready to be helped and when you're when you want to be helped i'll i'll be there and during this period while he was going through this denny decided to kind of introduce a kind of bit of much needed diversity at the time and he had james rhodes um colonel james rhodes take over as Iron Man. Like he he's not he's not technically proficient. He doesn't know how this thing works. But there's a guy attacking Stark Enterprises. Tony's too drunk. Can't do it. So so Rhodey puts on the armor and shows so much bravery. But he is he's this kind of just everyday guy. He's been in the army and stuff, but it's this everyday guy, doesn't know how this works but he has to do it because he's the only one. And I really like the run because it's kind of, it, it brings a kind of, because obviously Tony Starts is very intelligent, very, you know, like over the top, you know, flamboyant playboy. And to have James Rhodes come in and just being like your average guy in a high tech armor that could kill anybody, you know, if it turns one way and does the wrong thing, or the wrong gesture, blow someone's head off. Um, I thought it was really interesting, and and eventually they the Tony comes back and he starts recovering, and they they start kind of fighting again, and Obadiah Stane is a big kind of presence in all these stories, uh, and eventually the climax of this story is uh, Iron Man two hundred where he he basically injures and or kills a lot of Tony's friends, so he says right. I can't wear my old armor. I, I can't because he, he created like a, a kind of a rehab armor kind of thing. It was like this gray, like the original gray armor, because uh, he wouldn't wear the golden blue, the golden red, sorry, anymore because it was just I just brought back too many memories of him like throwing up in the helmet and things like that. Um, so so he was like, right, I'm going to make a new one, and it's one of my favorite Iron Man armors. It's the Silver Centurion armor. It's got the massive red backpack, uh, massive shot, proper eighty shoulder pads going on um I, I loved it and uh, and then he battles obadiah stane as the iron monger as he as he was known and, and again shows up in the iron man movie so those two massive elements of those movies to denny o'neill thing again you know and you're, and you're right and without these without these elements we wouldn't we wouldn't have these movies or these characters or these amazing stories that get retold again and again and again 
because because Denny was such a fantastic talent. Like you say, he's not afraid to, like you say, go back and touch on, like he, he does write about addiction quite a, quite a lot, mm. you know, including like Batman with Venom. Um, like, so we just, with the heroin stuff with Speedy. So he's not afraid mm. to kind of hit those things that people go, oh, hang on a minute. I kind of relate to that. I know it's like, you know, <clears throat> being addicted, needing these things to make myself feel better. Mm. Um, like you said, he, he, he's a bit of um alcoholic himself. Um, mm. So he, he does. He, it's, it's hard hitting, but entertaining. He entertains. Yeah. It's great. You know? And this... talking of introducing it to John Stewart. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Am I right? It's the first black character DCs, was it? Oh, the first no, no. I think we, we I think we talked about him. Yeah, I think it was the first black Green Lantern. One of the one of their big kind of main kind of black superheroes at the time. Again, with with his story, he kind of I think Hal Jordan's training him to be a replacement. So he's not actually he doesn't actually technically become a Green Lantern. That's not until Len Wine's run, I think. Um, much later, but they do introduce him, and but it was it very much that that issue is very much a sign of the times and and what was kind of happening in kind of seventies, you know, America with with race relations and stuff. It was not a very a good right time, now. and it, yeah, exactly, it comes comes right back to it. And he's he's very much depicted as that kind of he's he's outspoken, outright, and and angry at the the way the world is, and you know. I don't blame John Stewart for being for being that way, you know, absolutely not, given what that time in America's history and much like now. But it's it's definitely it's definitely one of the I think it's one of the stronger books. There's a few of them in the Green Lantern Green Green Arrow, which they're, they're good, but they I think they are they can be a little heavy handed with with messages and what they're trying to say. However, I, th- I think you've said it before that we didn't have that before, so I think people he did need to be heavy handed with it to get that message across to adults and the children who are reading it. Now we're a lot more kind of subtle about it, but it's it's basically there's still the same thing. We're still making kind of there's still social kind of awareness and issues and you know uh, gender equality, race equality, all these kind of issues are always crop up in comic books because that's that's what they are. Stan Lee, you know, brought attention to that. Denny O'Neill brought attention to that and and they should we should always talk about these things. Um, at least start a dialogue at the very least. Because he would never he would never he never went, this is how you solve racism. You know, he would he would just offer up the the issue and he would offer up the questions, but he wouldn't he wouldn't offer the answers because we'd like to think there's a an, an answer, a real answer to to these issues and Maybe maybe one day we'll we'll figure it out. But right now and circa nineteen seventy there was definitely not those answers. And but nothing with the answers now. No, exactly. But um that's another podcast. That's another podcast entirely. But you know. I, I try I try and I try and like I I've got a friend who always wants me to do issue based podcast and I'm 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 very reluctant to do issue based stuff. But I like talking about issues in relation to to art and to creative products. So I'll always talk about these kind of issues within the podcast, but I don't want it just to specifically be about, you know, these things because I'm not, I'm not as well versed in the politics or the, the minutia of these issues, you know, and I don't want to appear like I know all these things and have all the answers because I don't, but you know what I do like, and you do know what I do know, I know comics. So I, th- I think I think we we do need to we do need to uh, talk about one thing. Um, Wonder Woman one seven eight. Oh yeah. Now he's he's credited with with he didn't do the, he, four issues five issues he did. I think he, he like he didn't do the whole run. He definitely didn't he edited, do the whole run. Edited didn't he? And yeah. Basically, um, they depowered 
um, Wonder Woman hmm. um, and turned into like a, a, a spy. Yeah, it's kind of like a like an Emma Peel type, wasn't it? Kind of yeah, yeah. like event, like um, the original the '60s English Avengers, those yeah. Avengers. And it, it, I think everyone kind of um, goes on and bitches about him doing this, and oh, you know, he's depowered feminism and this and the other. And, and he, he, I, I watched him recently. Well, I watched watched quite a few things on YouTube and stuff recently about him. And he basically says, "Yeah, I got it wrong." Yeah, fair and enough. Openly, I got it wrong. The idea behind it was to make her more approachable, make her more kind of, you realize that we're relatable that everyone can look at her and say, oh, we, we could probably do that. We can learn martial arts. We can do this and the other. Hmm. But what he did do was take away who Wonder Woman was. Yeah. And he put openly all his hand up and said, yeah, I got it wrong. Yeah. But again, that's the merit of a man. You know, Joel Schuster would never say I've done something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> people, are tri- people are still asking him to say that he did something wrong. <laughs> He'll never admit it. Avengers what? Oh, yeah. I was at a family barbecue. <laughs> I wasn't even there. No. I, was in, I, was in a, I was in a pizza express. I was never there. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't sweat either. No, no. <laughs> um, he also kind of, he, he dipped his toe in other like smaller characters. Like for mm. me, I, I've got to be, be where the creeper. Yes, yeah, yeah, he did. You know, um, with, with the legend Steve Ditko. Yeah, so he kind of dipped his toe in that. And he, he did that. You know, a bit of Hawk and Dove, he did a little bit of that. And it, it, he wrote, you know, he, you know, he wrote a bit of Spider-Man as well. He did write, he did, he came up with Madam Web, yeah? That's right, Madam Web and Hydro-Man. Hydro-Man. Yes. Right, yeah, Hydro-Man. Um, he did Justice League, he wrote um, a couple of issues of Justice League as well. Mm. Um, and each issue we did with Justice League, he put a new character in there <laughs> and messed with the teams. Again, messing with the status quo, making yeah. us look at things differently and stuff. He also brought in the... Um, Superman, what's he? Um, Zarel, is it? Um, Kalali's Kel- Earth 2 Superman. Oh, right, right. Yes, yeah, so, so the one of the uh, great temples. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he kind of created that as well. So he did bounce on, but he also challenges the unknown. Yeah, lot, lot, lot. We all think of him being this big kind of character who did the big, the big titles, hmm. but he literally he, he, he did pretty much every character that we read, see, listen to, come to think about. Yeah. Yeah, every little thing he, he dipped his toe in and I had a little, you know, the, the Flash. I think it's World's Finest 199 221. The Flash and Superman race, or it might be 198. Yeah, 198. Yeah, he wrote, he wrote one of those, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, so he, he, you know, even the smaller titles, he, he, had, a, he had a little run in and you mm. know, had, had a little play about it and stuff. So, as much as he's this big character and this big social justice character. Which he didn't like to be called a social justice no. warrior at all. No. Um, even though he kind of against the bomb, he did. He went on marches. He went on um, civil rights marches. He did. He did all that sort of stuff. Interestingly, did you know while he was in the navy, he was involved in the the Cuba Missile Crisis? No, I didn't know. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. He was literally there. But again, like. <laughs> I think I, I read an interview somewhere where he was like, oh, yeah, I was compa- campaigning about not being nuked. How brave was I? You know, ultimate destruction. I was campaigning against that. <laughs> Look at me. How radical. Um, but, but yeah, you know, so to be honest, if I was, if I was at the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, when that was happening, I think I'd probably be against nuclear weapons as well. Yeah, yeah. And for me, one of, one of my, my, my lower tier characters, which people call it classmates like it's Shazam and and the first time DC published Shazam which was actually their property hmm. I believe it was Danny O'Neill who was involved in it I don't know I think he wrote he wrote it and edited issue two and three hmm, maybe, um, yeah. I think he wrote the first issue um, it was the first 
because before then, even though they didn't own the character, they like they licensed it from who owned, who owned Shazam? Come on, tell me who owned Shazam. Uh, was it CC Beck? Was it um, or? You mean the com- the company or yeah, the, the publishing company? Yeah, they. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. They, didn't perform, they, they sued them, didn't they? For yeah, um, Su- sued them to death. Yeah, and then they they didn't get the rights for the character which they wanted, so they kind of leased the character, they kind of licensed the character, mm. and then eventually bought the character. And the first time he was released as a DC character, it was Danny O'Neill who did it. Mm. So, did you know? Did you know he um he also gave. For, for the Transformers fanboys out there, he also named Optimus Prime. Mm. And Megatron. Yeah, but I believe it's Megatron as well, yeah. Yeah. The two the I, I don't know if he named a lot of the others, but I think those are the well, those are the two that, main is that, ones. It's that argumenty thing, isn't there? Yeah, there's Jim uh, Jim Shooters involved. Yeah. Bob Bob Budiansky. Bob Budiansky yeah. was writing it. And then the t- he came up with Optimus Prime for ages and ages and ages. And he yeah. Goes, no, actually, no, I, I did it. And the yeah. people have collaborated now. But typical shit story. God, he's such an ass. Yeah, pretty much. Shadow number one was one of his as well. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got one of his books. I think it's The Shadow, Hitler's Astrologer. I think that was for Marvel originally. But he, he uh, has a, a real kind of fanboy like for that character, I think. I want to, I want to my favorite character at the moment question he, he, Ooh. his first, his first um, solo outing was uh, Danny O'Neill as well now I've seen the first four they're out of print now but the first four graphics I've, I found them on eBay I'm currently bidding on them and I'm hoping nice. hoping I can win I've, I've put in I put in a nice sum of money because they're out because it's it's you know it's quite cheap like the cheapest I've seen a lot of them is like 40 quid each. And this is around kind of 40, 40 pounds for all four. And I was like, I'm going to get that now. I'm going to buy that. The thing is with the question now, he's, he's, you know, he's in, he's popping up in lots of things. He's got his, his own little miniseries at the moment with um, mm. Black Label DC. Yeah, yeah. So he's, but it was Denny O'Neill who came his first solo series. Before then, he was a bit part player. Mm. But again, he gave him all his little quirks and things and made him who he was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is basically he's better. He's a better detective than Batman. So. Well, I mean, Hub City was always he described it as being more corrupt than Gotham ever could be. Um, I think it's all about. I think it's uh, if I'm right that that series is more about him going after government officials and less about kind of street crime and yeah, yeah, yeah. and drug dealers and you know arms dealers. And the question also was a hat better than Batman as well. Yeah, he pulls it off. Pulls it off. Yeah, he does. I, I was just. Uh, I just wanted to kind of go through some of the some of the things he's created, like characters specifically. We've talked about some of the elements of Batman. The Lazarus Pits, that was him as well. Like Lazarus, he created yeah, the Lazarus Pits, yeah. which again, a big, big element of Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul. Um, you can promote, pr- pronounce it both ways. You can Google that. How do you um, say it? Um, you, can say, you can either say Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul. Apparently I either. Say, I think I say Ra's al Ghul. Mm. Denny used to say Raish, so I used to go with Raish. But sometimes I just I'll just forget and I'll use one well, or the I like other. I to go against the establishment, so I'm going to go Raish. Well, you do it. You do it. <laughs> Raz, I'm go like, like the first time I saw Batman the animated series, that's how they they said it. They yeah, said yeah, I'm they said Raish. Bob Bob, <laughs> Bob, Bob, Bob Al Ghul. You know what he also created, which I didn't think he w- he'd had. Um, I'd, I've been doing some deep dive, deep digging here. Yeah. He created the Matches Malone identity that Batman uses. Really. Yeah, yeah. He was the first guy to come up with that. So the idea that he pretends to be this dead uh, former criminal 
um, and he always has a, this disguise, and that he's basically used that disguise forever now. But that was his invention as well. Also, uh, the White Martians, so the kind of rival race to the Green Martians, uh, that was the pop up kind of in Justice League and pops up in Martian Manhunter. Um, I just want to tell the listeners that I am nodding. He's nodding along. He knows. I'm nodding. He do, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not got a shocked face. Like he's like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm. I, I'm. I'm nodding, and I realise that no one can see me apart. From <laughs> good nod. That's good nod you're giving yeah. me. Okay, I'll, I'll list. I'll list very quickly some of the kind of the big big names that he created, apart from the ones we've already mentioned. So we we mentioned Bane, Leslie Tomskins, Talia Al Ghul, League of Shadows, uh, Ray Al Ghul. Um, he created Maxi Zeus, um, Lady Shiva. Yep. Excellent code. Uh, we've mentioned John Stewart, Obadiah Stane, Richard Dragon. Uh, the Karate person. Yeah, the Karate man. Azrael. Azrael, who may be appearing in the season two of Batwoman. Oh, really? Yeah. That'd be interesting. I know he was in Gotham, sort of. Kind mm, of. Really? Yeah. Well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I like John Ball Valley and I like Azrael. I think they're both really good characters. Um, we said Hydra Man. Did you know he created Lady Deathstrike from X-Men? Yeah. So again... In a movie, you know, yeah. huge, huge uh, part to play within the Wolverine. She was introduced in Daredevil, but moved over to kind of X-Men and Wolverine comics later on. Um, Calypso, who's kind of like the girlfriend for Craven, and she's a voodoo priestess who, uh, if you read Spider-Man Torment, which I might do a podcast about because it's one of my favorites by Todd McFarlane. She's like the main villain in that. Um, Bronze Tiger from the Suicide Squad. Um, very famous. Madam Web, we mentioned. Uh, and technically, now, there's a lot of kind of reboots and reshuffles and re, uh, you know, crises, crises um, in DC Comics. So technically, technically, he created the second Black Canary, so Dinah Laurel Lance. Yeah. Well, technically. Yeah. yeah. He, he wrote the issue when he died as well. Yes, issue. that's right, yeah. So when she, the, the first issue, she's... Black Canary 2, as we call her, yeah. the first appearance that's classed as the first appearance is, her, is when the original, I'm doing all these quotes that no one can see, is quote marks. Uh, the original, yeah, nodding, quote marks, all, all audio, this, all audio. <laughs> she, she basically uh, comes over from Earth 2 to be in the Justice League because her, her husband died. Uh, and they're like, oh, we don't, we don't think you're going to be, you know, you can take Wonder Woman's place. Uh, and then she gives out her canary cry, so a big sonic scream she has. Uh, that wasn't an element to the character until then as well. So that's a brand new element he brought in, which become, has become very famous, you know, in, in Arrow and various other uh, depictions of that character. Um, so, yeah, so technically he created her. Like a, it's, There's a lot of kind of timey-wimey continuity retcons to... I can't be asked going through it all, but... Technically, he created that version of the character. It was a Justice League comic, wasn't it? It was in Justice League. Yeah, there's, it's a famous cover with, um, you can see her in the dark, and there's fishnets, and I think the rest of the men are on the floor, I think. I can picture it, I just can't remember yeah. the issue issue number. But it's, yeah, she can see the fishnets on the left-hand side, and it's something. I think she's saying something like, I've defeated the Justice League, or something like that. But she, that was, again, that was him. And he, he directly, directly influenced a lot of the talent the you know big name talent that we have today so people like jm demateus who i love greg rooker ty templeton david michelini tom king jim lee scott snyder brad Meltzer, kevin smith dan slot mike mignola joe casada mark miller greg capullo 
C.B. Sobolski, and the list goes on. You know, that's just, that's top tier comic book talent as well. It's not just, you know, middle of the road guys. The first kind of, he gave, like, like I said, Frank Miller his kind of first work and gave him Batman Year One as well. Which yeah. Then, Dark Knight Returns. Movies, yeah. Like we didn't mention that. He was he must have been involved in that. Um again he, he gives the opportunities. He's he's a guiding force with all these creators and you know, and he was open to ideas, open to new ideas, you know, um solving, you know, narrative problems or you know, he would go, right, this is an issue. Uh, not a comic book issue, but like a, a story issue. And he'd be like, we need to solve this problem or fix it or approach in a new way or do something. But again, he was always from from the from the, the human angle, the human problem and the human expression and the difficulties that we have. You know, he didn't like particularly writing these big universe, you know, space adventures. You know, he would write them if need be, but that's not his preference. He'd always he's a common man. He speaks for the common man, speaks for the, the common good in in all people, you know, d- doesn't matter who you are, where you're from race creed color you know he was he was there for you and he, he used to actually he was one of the directors on the hero initiative uh, charity group he was one of the directors and he dealt most with distribution of of kind of the charitable goods to to the right groups and areas um he also taught he taught at the let's see where was he, he taught at the he taught a, a course on writing for comics at manhattan school of visual arts uh, and he would share duties with John Ostrander, who famously wrote The Suicide Squad, created The Suicide Squad, as we know them today. Um, but yeah, he's just just a wonderful guy. We, we wouldn't have anything to do with Batman. And Batman would not be as popular, or anything to do with Batman would not be anywhere near as popular. Um, you know, he created The Dark Knight for me. Like, he, he created The Dark Knight. That's where we started. I, I think he had... Apart from Bill Finger, there's nobody else had that much influence on Batman than him. I couldn't agree more. No, I, I couldn't agree more, Dennis. You are absolutely spot on. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more. I think you can't watch the Arrowverse without him without having a touch of it. Yeah, you can't watch any DC movie without having a touch of it. You can't, you know, like you said, the Iron Man stuff which I didn't know about went through. Yeah. the Iron Man movies. Yeah, um, and he, he, he and he was just a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know, he was he, he pushed against the establishment. He he wasn't a yes man. He sometimes misstepped a little bit, but always held his hand up and said it's a mistake. And you don't get people like that around much anymore. And no. it's, it's it's a shame. And like I said, like I said before, there's there's not many of these ilk of people, for me anyway, of the comics that I read there's around so much anymore. Legends, mm. you know. People saying like Jim Lee, legend. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, all these. I, I, you've you've got to appreciate for me, like Jim. Like when I'm growing up and when I'm reading stuff, I'm sure I like I read Denny O'Neill stuff and that. But like Jim Jim Lee's X Men for me was was like, wow, that is it. So I, I think it's, it's purely like a generational thing. Of course like it is, of course it is. you know, I, um, I, I I read a lot of Denny O'Neill stuff. Like I I was reading it when I was what thirteen. So ninety two, ninety one, nineties. Yeah. So I was reading kind of like the Titan reprints and going to comic fairs, buying these books, which were yeah. really cheap at the time, which is real expensive now, and um, and it cemented kind of what I wanted in my Batman. I don't want camp, and I hate. You know, I keep on about. It. I hated, I hated that 
sixties. You know, I know people look back at with fondness to Burt Ward and and, mm. and and you know, it is what it is. It was quite. It was quite indicative of the kind of the comics at the time. Like it, it wasn't far off. So it's, it was quite, in a way, quite a you know successful translation of the comics at that time. Very very fresh face book for me. Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams' Batman is my Batman. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Long ears, long ears nice flowing cape, mm. jumping around the place, being a detective. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. The greatest, the world's greatest detective. And constantly questioning himself as well. Questioning his morality. Using Alfred is not just somebody who brings his cape. He was the person who bounced ideas off. I bring him as a proper character. Mm. Um, and, and for me, that's, 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 that's Daniel Neal for me. I'll tell you another important thing he did for Marvel as well. Him, him and Neil Adams. So it was Roy Thomas and Neil Adams were working on the, the, the X-Men title just prior to it being cancelled because they were like, we've got to shake things up with the X-Men title before it gets cancelled. So they did. And it was a very successful, like that, that run, just as it was picking up, they were like, only afterwards did they notice that the, the sales had spiked. Like they had to cancel it shortly after before they noticed. So it was like, oh, well, it's gone. So then they just started doing reprints. But one of the last things they did, Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill and, and Roy Thomas all together, decided to bring back Professor X, who had been dead for like 30 issues, 20, 30 issues. Yeah. Like this is, the, this is his first death, by the way. Not, there's been many since. <laughs> lots, lots and lots. So he, he, faked, he basically faked his own death to, to stop an alien invasion. He had to train himself to stop an alien invasion or something. Um, but can you imagine the X-Men without Professor X? Like... Mm. Even even the original X Men, like they, you know, they didn't have Professor X for a very long time after he died. So even even Chris Claremont's run, John Byrne's run, wouldn't be what it would be, have been without Professor X as a as a character and within that. And and like we wouldn't have even had that kind of we wouldn't have introduced that kind of Martin Luther King, Charles Xavier's Martin Luther King, and sorry, Magneto is Malcolm X, that we wouldn't have that kind of parallel, that discussion. Who knows what it would have been like? Would we have even got half the kind of X-Men stuff or stories? You know, Chris Clement, there's no doubt in my mind Chris Clement was not, you know, influenced somewhat by Denny O'Neill. You know, the way he approached stuff and the, and the, the social kind of justice angle, um, the social activism, like uh, Chris Claremont tried to introduce trans characters and gay characters and, you know, all the way through his run, um, all these kind of different kind of, you know, representation that was ne- sorely needed at the time, they could only really hint at or discuss, which is not something, you know, that was that was even discussed or talked about. So, again, cha- like, you know, just changing things, changing stuff up and uh, and making comics better, more more accessible for, for everybody. We are missing, though. The, the, the biggest change that, that he made, and I think that the biggest far-reaching influence that he did was um, getting rid of Nightwing's um, disco suit. <laughs> <laughs> For the Nightwing miniseries issue two. <laughs> disco <laughs> wing, uh, disco wing. Yeah, he, got, um, he, 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 he was like, gotta go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's gonna make him more streamlined. He's looking after Blue Haven. Come on, let's go to his disco suit. I mean, sh- sh- surely, was, well, it must have been... <laughs> Surely Disco had passed when they created that, that suit, surely. I love that suit. Because <laughs> they, they, did, they, did they did get rid of some of the elements to it, like the high collar and some other stuff, yeah. didn't they? They, got, they did change up a little bit. 
season two, uh, epi- um, issue one of it, he's still got the yellow on it. And yeah. And then issue two, it's gone to the blue, like um, like the bird. Yeah, like almost like a V V shape. Kind yeah, of and that's kind of that's kind of stayed. Yeah, that's kind of hasn't that, that kind of hasn't gone. No, like we were talking. Color slightly, but it's still the, the same thing. So it still looks like a bit of a bird, bit of a V on his chest. Yeah, well, and like that's, that's him as well. yeah, like I was saying about the Silver Centurion armor that which turned up in Iron Man three as well. Like it's quite an iconic look. You know, it kind of it changes it up a bit, but it still kind of maintains the original feel of the so like the you, red you and gold. Stick, you, you can stick his um is changing of uh, bringing back Xavier. You can forget about Lazarus, but you can forget about all that stuff. Nightwing disco suit. Come on. Go rid of that. That's that's the the massive. Would, been, would 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 his disco suit been able to carry a solo series? I think not. Absol- <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely. Not. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, I, th- I I feel like we've. Can we can we say any more? Can we have have, have we exhausted what we've 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 mentioned like everything he's ever done effectively yeah this is this is from a really kind of selfish point of view if you want to read kind of got there's lots of reprints and there's omnibuses out there which just showcase Danny O'Neill stuff yeah um what will happen now is as always happens and I've already uh, this morning all his comics are doubled in price yeah if you want to read you want to collect the comics give it a few weeks and they'll come back down to normal price mm. um what you'd expect to pay for this sort of ill but there's like I know the one eBay you can pick Venom, Titans Venom, um, yeah. you know, Titans Reaper that you can pick up for a couple of quid. Um, a couple of the omnibuses, um, and the, the the whole green the old Green Lantern Green Arrow stuff you can pick up on eBay, it's still in print. Mm. Um, you get it from Amazon. There's loads of really good stuff. There's there. a lot lot of uh, digital available digital as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got I've got a few I've got a list here of a a few good ones if you don't mind me going through them. No, 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 you go and I'll say yeah. yes or no. Uh, Batman Tales of the Demon collects the early the early Razal Ghul, Rachel Ghul stories. Birth of the Demon, where he writes the origin, the origin of uh, of Rachel Ghul, um, which it was drawn by oh what's his name? He's died he died not so long ago as well. Oh, I can't remember his name. Ah, no, no worries. He's very good. He's one of my favorite Batman artists. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Batman Venom we've mentioned again. Check out my podcast on that. It's an amazing book. Just so, so good. Um, Batman Shaman, have you read that? Yes, I have, yeah. I, I would really... I, I can't... I haven't read it for years, but I do remember really, really liking it. Green Lantern, Green Arrow, we've mentioned. Azrael, Fallen Angel. So that's the collection with... It's got the original miniseries, and then it's got the him after Nightfall, kind of... The Sword of Israel and Thing of the Bat. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. yeah. Agent of the Bat, or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah. You just talked about Nightwing, talked about Question. Uh, the Iron Man collections he's he's written. Uh, Iron Man, The Enemy Within. Iron Man, Jewel of Iron, and Iron Man, Iron Monger. When he was, when he was also editing, um, when he was also editing Daredevil, Frank Miller had a break. And in between, Denny wrote some issues, so like little, maybe like ten issues or something, like a nice little run. And uh, it's it's collected as well. It's called Daredevil Loves Labor's Lost. Now, a lot of his work as well with Neil Adams that you want to read and Batman related Neil Adams stuff. They've done three. They've done two. There's two different types of books. They're either Batman by Neil Adams books one to three, or Batman illustrated by Neil Adams volumes one to three. So it's it's basically the same book each time. Just one of them's a more recent printing of it. Um, I mentioned uh, Shadow Hitler's Astrologer. I mentioned that. Um, I think I kind of half forgot about this one, but Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Yes, yes <laughs> he did. So. Yeah, quite a famous book, that quite a big yeah. deal. There was a lot yeah. of uh, 
Neil Adams do that as well. Yeah, massive splash. And people in the background. Yeah, loads of famous faces in the kind of splash cover, wraparound cover it was. Um, and we mentioned Superman Kryptonite Nevermore, so depowering of Superman. Um, so on the editing side, we've mentioned a lot of his stuff, but I just want to mention a few more. Um, so a couple, couple that he was the editor on as well were Larry Hammer's G.I. Joe, which is quite a popular Marvel book about the toys, and that went on for many, 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 many years. Uh, very long run, that. Um, I bought it all, um, hurt my bank account, but I did buy it all. Um, and John Byrne's Alpha Flight, which uh, our friend Keith Williams inked some of those issues, um, and that's a great that's a great run. I love the John John Byrne work, so he's obviously had somewhat of an influence on that. Um, but yeah, I I think is there anything you'd like to mention that I've not mentioned? Batman Punisher. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Because it's very different. Because they did two books, uh, and the one that Denia. On Neil does is Azrael. Yeah, uh, Lake of Fire, I think it is. Lake of Fire, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's it's good because it's a crossover, so it's yeah, you know, in it, and they're very similar in their styles as well. Azrael in that would be the Punisher, well. so yeah, I'd like to read that. It's good. Yeah, yeah, that's, I've I've definitely read that. I think I preferred the other one, but I, it's not yeah. bad. Yeah, I just like the fact that it's it, the two characters are very similar. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> let's burn and kill everyone. Go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, and I also like the, art, the artworks and I think I like the, art, the artwork on that one too. I can't cool. remember it. But I'll put it cool. Well, I think we've come to the end of, of uh, our hard travelling. We've been two hard travelling heroes. Um, and I think we have, I hope we've done a somewhat of a service to, to Denny and his legacy. Um, if there is a legend of the Dark Knight, it is definitely Denny, I think. Um, you know all the other work as well. The, like we said, there wouldn't be Arrow, wouldn't be an Arrowverse without without Denny, without you know you wouldn't like he even another thing he did. He started the romance between Green Arrow and Black Canary. Yeah, putting them together. Yeah. Which which again has just stayed with those two characters. Just stayed together for the most part, or they've always been linked. Like you know, two sides of the same coin. You know, we've we, he's done so much for comics, so much for for civil civil rights and social activism and you know you name it and brought these issues to the forefront when nobody was thinking about them when kids weren't even thinking about them you know it's just incredible incredible talent and i'm genuinely genuinely gutted to that he that he went um you know um i think that you know he he realized comics were for everybody not just for kids much like yourself dennis yeah, yeah, just not just aiming comics at kids, aiming comics at everybody, making I, them accessible to everybody. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I think it's almost like kind of kismet or, you know, fate. But he was born the same year Batman was created, the exact same year. There's, there's something in the, in the universe that made that happen. And yeah, go out, read those books, you know, enjoy, enjoy all your Batman-related material. Like, no matter if, if he wrote it or if he didn't, you know, there's elements that he created. Arkham Asylum, Crime Alley, you know, Bane, Venom, you know, even the prison Ben and uh, Bane wrote, like, grew up in, which is uh, Pina Juro, I think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, all these Lazarus Pits, Rachel Gore, Razal Gore, 
Sally Ralgul, all this stuff, you know. I mean, there's, they're even thinking about making a Madam Web movie. You know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be getting this Madam Web movie without without Denny's help. You know, it is it is what it is. And uh, I, no, no matter what you read or what you watch, if he had some influence, on yeah, it, I would think. yeah. If you know, be it be it Spider Man the animated series that featured Hydra Man and Madam Web, you name it. Like he has had a hand, especially Batman, especially Green Arrow. You know, and Green Lantern to some respect, and other characters question, but he is a hero in his own right. Absolutely, he's been a hero to me and a hero to to many creators, many fans over the years. And yeah, so every time they mention Arkham Asylum. Every time you know you're playing that game, we're playing, you're watching an animated movie. Denny, Denny has contributed in a huge way on some level to to the characterization of Batman. Um, because you've got to think as well back then is that they didn't really talk about the characters, or they didn't really have characters. It was just like, here's a problem, Batman will solve it, yay! You know, this is this is they created these characters in a way like they gave them personalities, they gave them yeah, yeah. problems, issues. You are kind of detective living in the shadows. Mm. The, the characters, it, like I said, Alfred and the kind of other people behind. Um, well, yeah. um, did you do the Gordon series as well? Yes, uh, Gotham of, of Gordon or Gordon of Gotham, I think it is. Um, that's a, there's a collection for that as well. I think it's yeah. Batman Gordon something. Um, but check that out. He looks at not just the main character, but if, because you read you read books before, kind of you know in the in the fifties and sixties, and it is very much just like you were saying. Batman shows up and so on. Everything's great. Solved. <laughs> Problem solved. Alfred was bringing his cape and a cup of tea at the end of yeah. the day, and his pipe. Like a lot of people, when they look at these characters, only see the superhuman traits and the powers and stuff like that. Or wouldn't it be cool to have that power? And I'm like, I'm like, no. Have you not read a comic? They've all got fucking horrible problems. Iron Man's an alcoholic. Batman is just a mess. You know, all the all these characters. You know, Green Arrow's got his own problems. You know, his own issues to deal with. Green Lantern. You name it. He put the the human element into these characters he imbued them with a life um you know not unlike a father i guess in some ways he is a a, a father of modern comics he put the he put the man in iron man he put the man in batman you know before it was just you know the concept and the the powers and all that sort of stuff he's he is he is um you know he's our signal our gloomy in the gloomy night of gotham he's our bat signal lighting the way for all the creatives and and fans to to follow and uh yeah never gonna be replaced never ever ever no because no one nobody in modern day comics will ever have the influence he's had across the board absolutely the smallest thing like lazarus pit who Hmm. thought that would appear in in animated series would appear in the tv shows of arrow and things something Hmm. as as simple as lazarus pit Hmm. but you know he came up with that it's iconic all of this stuff we've talked about all the things we've mentioned is truly truly iconic you know and he's touched people around the world he's touched these characters and they in turn have touched people and he will be sorely sorely missed um but i think i think that's it for today i think um again i hope people go out and and just appreciate these characters just a little bit more because of this one man i agree go and read some stuff Excellent. Okay, so before we go, I've got to do the the where you find us 
on the social medias. Um, I don't care. Denny's gone. Uh. Find me on all the social medias. All of the social medias. So uh, where to find me? You can find me at Facebook at Secret Balls. Um, at Twitter, it's at Dan Secret Balls. Instagram is Spider Dan Secret Balls. And the podcast available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and many, many more. If you'd like to donate towards the podcast, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Spider Dan and the Secret Wars. And if you interact with us, don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle. I've been Dan. I've been Dan. Good night, everybody. And let's keep that bat signal shining all the more brightly. Keep the keep the bat signal light on tonight for Denny. Good night, everybody. See you later. Bye-bye.